Welcome to This Is Us podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Hansen, and my wife and I have the honor of serving alongside an amazing team as lead pastors of Hillsong Church in Denmark and Malmo. This podcast is a collection of short episodes regarding life, leadership, and culture. If you haven't done so already, please click follow and subscribe. And as always, if you find this to be valuable, feel free to share it with others. All right, welcome back to This Is us thank you for listening and um and i hope that this episode will help you we're gonna we're gonna talk leadership and um and i wanna i want to i want to get a a question and that is something that i think is a constant challenge for all leaders and that is figuring out how do we get a message across how do i how do i say something that people will not only hear but they'll understand and they will apply I mean, I guess as parents, we have this challenge as well. This is not just a leadership thing in terms of church and business. This is also just in life in general. Getting a message across, I think even harder than that, is creating a movement. Because when you create a movement, which is what we're trying to do with church, is to create a movement, a positive movement, something that's moving in the right direction. You gotta, whenever creating a, you want to create a movement, you've got to think in generational leadership. If, you are, if you're just leading followers you will never lead a movement. In order to create a movement, we have to lead leaders of leaders. It has to be generational. Uh, one of the key verses in, in this whole discipleship thought and generational leadership thought is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. So it's just 2.2.2. 2, 2. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. There's four generations here. The things you've heard from me, Paul, Saying to speaking to Timothy, teach it to others who is qualified to teach it to others again. Four generations. You see, we are we're in a season now where we are really kickstarting church again in terms of gathering and rebuilding and regathering and all of that stuff, you know, after COVID and just big season, hey? And how do we do that? Well, I think there's several ways to create a movement or create momentum. And momentum is one of those things that when you have it. It's, it takes very little to maintain it. When you have momentum, it's like, think of when you're here in Denmark, it's a bike. If you're on a bike and it's rolling, when the bike is rolling, you can keep rolling. And now and then you will turn the pedals and it will just ro- keep rolling. If you're in a car, if the car's rolling, you can just, you can keep it going. But if it stops, if a car first stops and you have to push it, you know, to move it again, it takes a lot of energy. And I think it's the same with leadership. You can either lead reactively or strategically. Now, reactive leadership is where you exert a lot of energy for a short amount of time and then you lose the momentum again. And then you get to the next big thing you want to do and then you use a lot of energy and build momentum again and then it goes dead again. And it's kind of like these, 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 these mountains, but you'll always get back to ground zero. Strategic leadership, though, is that we try and keep the momentum going with a slight upward curve. And at key times, we use energy to, to, to create like short-term boost, short-term momentum. Think of it, if you can think of the picture of a heartbeat on a monitor, how it just goes across and it goes do-do, do-do, do-do. It's the same with strategic leadership, that you have a continuum upward momentum. And now and then you might have Easter, And it's a big gathering and you put effort into that and then you're back again. But not back to zero, maybe back just a little bit ahead of where you were before Easter. Then you get to 
a big summer party or street party or something like that. And you a lot of energy just for a few days, but up and then down again, but a little bit ahead of last where you were before. Then you get to maybe a school holiday or you get to a, you have a guest speaker or you have an evangelistic push or something. Then you get to Christmas and you have these key moments where you use a lot of energy and then back down, but you never go back to where you were before. You create a little bit of upward movement. In the book, The Tipping Point, which I would encourage you to read by Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point, for me, it's one of, been the, one of the key books on leadership in general in my life. And he talks about creating a trend or creating a, a movement or in our setting, a revival, um, if you will. And he mentions that it's not just about the product or the message. It's not just, hey, I want to create a movement around this, this, this pair of shoes or this product. But it's, but it's more than that. It's also when it's delivered and who. So it's what, when, and who. For example, uh, what you say is affected about when you say it. See, I could ask you for a drink of water right now and be fine. I mean, it would probably not come with a great sense of urgency. But if I knocked on your front door in the middle of the night and asked you for a glass of water, I could ask you the same thing, use the same words, but simply because it's 2 a.m. at your house, the whole message changes. Why? Because of the time. It's the same with every message that you bring. The, the message you bring, what you say, when you say it, and who says it carries weight. Think about criticism. Think about um, feedback versus opinion. You know, it all depends on how you say it, when you say it. Like when, when, when we have people that are starting out on the platform team and they're preaching and they're emceeing or doing different things, I will often wait 24 to 48 hours to give feedback. The reason for that is because we're just vulnerable. You know, we up there and we, you, you bear your soul and you, you're vulnerable and you wait. But let me ask you, in terms of your circle of influence, what are you trying to get across right now? What, what, are you, what message are you trying to get across? It could be culture, it could be leadership, it could be um, a discipleship thing, it could be um, a piece of revelation that you want them to catch. What is it that you want them to know? Let me just ask you some simple questions. Do they know all the details? What will inspire them? What will get them excited? What will create movement within them? Remember, it's not always one size fits all. It's not always one size fits all. You know, it's not just that you can say the same message to everyone because we're all different. We all get, you know, triggered in a positive sense. Well, negative as well. We all get triggered by different things. For example, I, I remember uh, on Sunday, I noticed someone who wasn't at church. So I sent them a message um, just yesterday and I just sent them a message saying, hey, I, I saw you weren't there. Just two people I saw wasn't there. I noticed that you weren't there and just say, hey, we missed you. And the gratitude on the other end that the fact that I had messaged them. Now, how long did that take me to do? 10 seconds, 20 seconds, but it moved two people. Now, they could listen to podcasts to talk about the importance of church. They could listen to a sermon. They could have me, you know, talk to them on a Sunday and all of that, but it moved them more getting a quick message from me on, you know, out of the blue saying, we missed you. So what are you, what are you trying to get across right now? And then the when, when will you talk with people? When, when will be the best time to talk with people in order to move them? Is it in a meeting? Is it in a social setting? 
You see, sometimes we, we wait for a perfect time to make things happen instead of just picking up the phone and, and just get with it. Um, but when would be the best time for you to get that message across? I, I remember just recently I, was, um, I wanted to talk to a, a friend of mine about some things that were going on in, in their life and, and I, was, I was looking for a, a, a good time and it, just, it was never a good time because there's always just a lot of activity both in his life and my life and, and I knew that we had a trip coming up. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait for that week or that, those days that we have together and, um, and just hit it up. And it became, even though it was the same message, same words being used, but the time of it changed it all. So what are you trying to get across? When will you talk to them? And number three, how will you say it? How will you bring this message across? Which medium? Will it be through social media? Will it be an SMS like I did the other day? Will it be a phone call? Will it be a person? See, how you say something says something. How you say it says something. Like, does it matter to you enough to pick up the phone and make a phone call? Remember, text, SMS, it's so often the lowest form of communication. And I would do text when people, they get my heart. But when there is ever a doubt of where you are at with your heart, if there's ever a doubt with where you're at in terms of culture, if there's ever a doubt in that I'm smiling or my body language or any of that stuff, I would encourage you, get in person. Or if you can't be in person, at least be on a phone call. I mean, these days you can do FaceTime or Skype or Zoom. But I think it's time where we have to talk with people more than talking to people. We're in a season in church life right now where we we got to learn, all of us, that we got to talk with people more than just talking to people. It takes longer. I get that. It's more inconvenient. I get it. 100%. I get it. But we will just not move people. And in the long run, I think we a lot of times we're wasting the time where we're talking to people than when we're talking with people. So what are you trying to get across? When will you get it across? How will you get it across? And number four, who will you talk with? Who will you talk with? Um, again, tipping point. Um, they're talking about connectors and persuaders. And the whole idea was, uh, it's a few years, or several years now since I read that book, but I remember that he was, he was talking about a challenge in the book where they had to send a package from the East Coast, I think it was, of America to the West Coast, but they weren't allowed to use the postal service or something. And they had to just use their connections, just use their network. And they did like 100 people or something like that. And then they realized that 80 or 90% of the people, even though they didn't know each other, at some point in their network, 80 or 90% of these packages came through the same people. You know, there is a saying that says that um, we all are six degrees of separation from each other, which means anyone on the planet, you are six handshakes away from anyone else on the planet. doesn't matter who it is. Every single one of us, we are six handshakes away from someone on this planet. But the thing is, connectors are the ones that we all go through. So if you can think about, okay, who would I, if I needed to meet with Barack Obama, okay, who, how would I get there? So you got to go six handshakes. Who would you go to? Okay, if you wanted to meet Oprah, I'm trying to think of famous people. Okay, who would you go through? Most likely, if you keep doing this exercise, the same names will start to pop up again and again. Those people are what we call connectors. You know, we all have connectors in our lives. But as leaders, we often spend too much time as leaders convincing 99 people to do something when really we should have just spoken with the shepherds. Not everyone is a sheep. Now, get my heart in this. 
we are all influenced by others, just like we are influenced by others, and we influence others. So on a Sunday, you can look around and just just as the service finishes or on a Friday night at youth or at a creative team night, whatever it is, just just take a moment when you finish the, the service, the music is playing or go out in the foyer and just look over the crowd of people. And you will quickly see that people, they don't even need to be told to do this. What people will do is that they will turn into circles. And what they're doing is that they're trying to make, you know, come up with plans. Hey, so what are we doing after service? Where are we going for dinner? Where are we going for lunch? What should we do? Where are we hanging out? And they will always, you will always find that there are these circle leaders who will make the call. Those are your connectors. Those are your informal leaders. They can have titles. They can be Christians or not Christians. Whatever. They are the ones who are leading the congregation. I want to encourage you to take note who they are because they are the ones that you need to get the message across to. They are the culture bearers. They are the ones who are moving the church, moving the, ch- the business, moving the congregation in one way or the other. Jethro said to Moses to find capable people who can lead 10, you know, 50, 100, 500 people. Find capable people who can do that. So who are yours? Have you got a list of their names? I remember I'd say when I was first starting out youth ministry, this is like 20 years ago, something like that, <laughs> getting old. And um, we used to do that with our high school students in Australia. This is what we were doing youth ministry. Is that we just said to our, our official leaders, our teenage leaders, like who are, who are the key connectors in our youth ministry? You know, And we just created a list. I think it was like 50 people or 30 kids or something. And we're like, okay, well, that's our leadership team. That's our unofficial leadership team. And we just gave them our focus. We hung out with them. We, we, got, we became friends with them. And we sewed into them because we knew they are the ones who are leading the rest. They're the ones that when they show up, five other people show up. When, when they're on board, five other people are on board. So who are you speaking with right now about Sunday? Who are you speaking with right now about culture? And in terms of leading, but also in terms of just, you know, just, bringing people and attendance and and walking with Jesus and because if we're not inviting people to it and and getting people alongside to it I mean at the end of the day when it comes to church for example we as leaders we've got to believe in it as well I mean we got we can't just you know we can't just be telling everyone else to do this we got to lead by example so I think this whole mindset this whole mindset was probably one of the hardest things to try and get across when we first got to Denmark we, we moved here almost 10 years ago now. And um, I think one of the hardest things to get across in our culture is the church is built. It's built. It's hard work. Uh, we would have pastors and churches send teams to, to our church, Hillsong, and to see how we did church. And, man, the, the amount of times people would conclude at the end of Sunday, you guys, um, you guys don't do anything special. You don't do anything different. And we're like, we've never claimed to. Um, but what we do do is that we do hard work. We work hard. And we're not ashamed of that and we're not afraid of it. You know, um, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that a dream comes through much activity, but a fool is known by his many words. A dream comes through much activity. I think one of the secret, it's not a secret, but one of the official key, secret keys to revival is simply hard work or follow through. Just if someone puts up their hand, if someone makes a decision, you call them, you, you follow through on it, you walk that journey out with them, you keep doing that enough times and you're starting to see yourself 
and momentum, you start to see yourself a movement, you start to see yourself a revival. Second Timothy 2.3, Paul says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I just love the focus here. I love the focus that Paul's like, hey, don't get entangled in civilian affairs. Stay committed. Stay busy. Stay, you know, stay focused on the work at hand. The athlete, stay committed. You know, stay committed to training. But knowing your identity, knowing who am I serving, both in leadership, who am I serving, but also personally, who am I serving? You know, in leadership, I'm obviously serving a leader. I'm serving on a team. But personally, I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. All everything I'm doing. I'm not playing the instrument because I'm rusted on. I'm not preaching because I'm rusted on. I'm not at the front door smiling because I'm rusted on. I'm doing it because I'm being faithful what I believe I'm doing for Jesus. That's why I'm doing it. So I'm not slacking off because I'm afraid of getting caught. I'm not slacking off in my serving. I'm not slacking off in my job because whatever. No, I'm not slacking off because this is not ultimately for my boss or my team leader. This is ultimately for Jesus. And then purpose. Find the purpose of being part of the same team. We're on the same team in leadership. And in personally, we, 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 we're chasing for the same prize. And then, and then the last thing that you see in these verses is just that complete ownership. You know, the athlete that has to go for a run. Um, at the end of the day, it's on them if they're going to succeed or not. I recently completed a marathon. Yes, I said it. And I will say it again. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I would never have completed it if I had to wait for someone else to inspire me. You know, you just got to do what you need to do. There's one of my favorite sayings or quotes in life is the quote that says, do what you need to do when you need to do it. And a time will come where you can do the things you want to do when you want to do it. The challenge is that most of us don't do the things we need to do when we need to do it because we only do the things we want to do. But if you committed to something, do it even when your feelings change. Do it even when everyone else leaves. Ownership says it's on me. But in my personal walk with Jesus, ownership also says I'm not striving though because God is the one who controls the growth. Paul says one man waters, another man sows, but God is the one who causes it to grow. So can I encourage you, wherever you're at, figure out what it is that you're trying to get across, who you're getting across to, when you're getting across to it, how you will get across to it. And let's believe together that we will build some something that's going to have momentum continue to grow not just for one generation but for the generations to come as we're creating a movement for good thank you for listening to this is us podcast whether you listen to them as an individual or as a team we hope that they add value to you make sure to click follow or subscribe so you don't miss any episodes thank you for joining us we are who we are this is us